0: In Hebrews chapter 1, which we're about to look at, God is communicating to us completeness, wholeness, perfection using the number seven. In Hebrews chapter 1, God gives us seven ways that Jesus is better. And then he gives us seven Old Testament references to show us, in fact, that Jesus is better. So Hebrews chapter 1, which we're about to look at, it communicates to us that Jesus is the supreme being, that Jesus is the true and only, that Jesus is the better. He's the source of life. He's the giver of life. He's the sustainer of life. And so Hebrews chapter 1 is making the point with its words that Jesus is better. It also makes the point with its symbolism and the significance of Jesus being better in seven ways and giving us seven Old Testament references that Jesus is better. It, makes, it, it, it just highlights for us this point that Jesus is better. He's the only one who can complete us. He's the only one who can make us whole. He is the divine completeness, the divine wholeness of God for us. And so I'm excited to get into this book with you over the next coming months. We're going to be digging through the book of Hebrews today. We're going to start with Hebrews chapter 1. And so could I ask you to stand and follow along as I read Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to read the entire chapter this morning and just look at a portion of it. But look for the seven ways that Jesus is better and the seven Old Testament references here in Hebrews chapter 1. This is the word of the Lord. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness before your companions. And you, Lord, have laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same and your years will have no end. And to to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for speaking to us. You are a speaking God. You have communicated to us long ago at many times and in many ways you spoke to the fathers through the prophets and we hold those prophecies in our hands, but in these last days you have spoken to us by your Son, So Jesus, we acknowledge that you are here present in the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is revealing to us the Son of God, the true prophet, the true priest, the true king, the true and better Savior, the only Savior. And you are here present speaking to us this morning. We want to hear. You are the complete revelation of God's will and salvation. And so we receive you this morning, Lord Jesus. May we hear from you this morning, Lord Jesus. We pray these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. So a little context for us as we get into this verse. Um, Right here, it starts with long ago. Star Wars is not original. I know you guys thought it was, but um, they ripped this off from the Bible. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways. I think what we're seeing here is that the Bible is rooted. It's historic. This was written almost 2,000 years ago. And so when we read long ago... This was written long ago for us, right? But to the people that it's being written to, it's referring to something even longer back than that. So these words are almost 2,000 years old, but we hold them in our hand. They've been preserved for us. And the author of Hebrews is writing to Jewish Christians, struggling Christians in the first century. If you're a struggling Christian, if you feel like, I know that I'm supposed to believe that Jesus is better, but I have such a hard time believing that. You are the person that this book is written for. It was written to first century Christians who were struggling to believe that Jesus is better. So it was written to them, but it's for us. God has preserved it for us. He's given it to us 2,000 years later to remind us that Jesus is better than life, just like the first century Christians needed to be reminded that Jesus is better than life. This book is rooted, it's historic. So for us, this passage goes back almost 2,000 years, but for the people who has written to, the Jewish Christians in the first century, this reference of long ago is going back almost 4,000 years the writer of Hebrews who is unknown, we don't know the author of this book, so as we go through the book, we're just going to refer to the writer as the writer of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews. Um, there's no sense in trying to figure out who wrote this book because people, people spend hours trying to do that and nobody knows. We're not told. God apparently thinks that this book can minister to our souls without us knowing exactly who the author is. But its authorship has been, has been confirmed. It's been, um, it's been added into the canon by church fathers and by history saying this is the word of God. There's eyewitness here. And so the author is referring to approximately 4,000 years, the 4,000 year time frame before Jesus came. And he's saying in that time frame, God spoke God is a speaking God. God is not a silent God. God came and he spoke to his people. And he did this at many times. Many times throughout the course of history, throughout the 4,000 years before Jesus came, God was busy speaking. And he spoke in many ways. He spoke in in pillars of fire and smoke. He spoke with an audible voice. He He spoke in a burning bush. He spoke by parting the Red Sea. He spoke through the prophets. He spoke At many times over thousands of years and in many ways, God is a speaking God. He has spoke throughout history. In fact, He spoke creation into being, and so God is a speaking God. And I want us to notice here in these first couple verses that our faith is rooted; it's historic. Sometimes in our culture, because people haven't dug enough into Scripture and they haven't dug into the history of Scripture, our culture can think that Christianity is kind of an American creation, right? I mean, it's in our money, it's on our money that it says, in God we trust. And so sometimes our culture at large, and even people in the church can think that Americans have a corner on the market of Christianity, that, that we kind of created this thing wrong, false we are a blip on the radar we are a blip on the screen we're a significant blip because god loves his children and we are his, we are his children but we need to be reminded as we look at this and read this long ago we stand in the line of a historically rooted proven faith that spans the globe that makes up different cultures different languages different tribes different tongues and we are recipients of that, We stand in a long line, a, a historic tradition that can be trusted. And God has faithfully spoke through the years, through prophets and signs, and, and he spoke to the fathers. So Hebrews contains a lot of Old Testament reference. And some of you may be very familiar with the Old Testament, and some of you may be very unfamiliar with the Old Testament. So as we go through the book of Hebrews, we will do a lot of work in the Old Testament to try and help us understand the culture and the context of the first century struggling Christians of whom this was written to. Okay, so whether you know a lot about the Old Testament or not very much about the Old Testament, I think this book is going to speak deeply and richly to your soul because their struggle was our struggle. They struggled to trust God They struggled to take him at his word. In the Old Testament, they struggled to trust God and take him at his word. He gave them promises and and they would doubt God's promises and and they would backslide and they would take matters into their own hands. And then in the New Testament, he gave them Jesus and he told his followers that Jesus is better. Jesus is the all-sufficient author and source of life. And the New Testament followers struggled. To believe that. And I don't know about you, maybe you all are perfect and great and have this figured out, but I struggle to believe that. I struggle to believe that Jesus is better than everything. Yet he is. It's true. And so I want us to, to understand that intellectually. I want us to try and wrap our minds around what it means that Jesus is better. But then I want us to feel the effects and the reality of Jesus being better. He's better than your marriage or the marriage that you hope for. He's better than sex or the sex that you hope for. He's better than the career advancement or the financial increase or the, the, the vacation that you're longing for. Jesus is better He may give us those things. He gives us good gifts to point us towards him. He is a good father who loves his children, and so he gives us good gifts that we could enjoy this life, that these good gifts would point us towards him, the giver of the gifts. But ultimately, Jesus is better than the gifts that he gives. He is better, and so my hope and prayer is that as we work through this book, we over and over again will see the point that this book makes. I didn't create this idea, That Jesus is better from the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews makes this point over and over and over again. Jesus is better. And so I want us to see that this is going to be more of a journey through the book of Hebrews than a series. I mean, we'll probably refer to it as a sermon series, but if we were to call it a sermon series in all practical reality, that would mean that I have it all mapped out and it's planned and we know what's coming next. And um, I tried really hard to do that. I spent a lot of time in this book, reading it through, praying it through, making charts, making graphs, putting verses together, trying to figure out which week, what week am I going to preach, which text, and what text will I put together, and are we going to be in this book for 12 weeks or for 16 weeks or for 18 weeks. I looked at commentaries, I looked at study guides, and at the end of the day, I couldn't map it out. I couldn't turn it into a series. I just felt like we need to get into this book and let the Spirit lead us through this book at the Spirit's pace. So it's going to be a journey. We're going to journey through the book of Hebrews together. We might be in it for 16 weeks. We might be in it for 16 months. Um, Welcome to Park Community Church. Only the Lord knows where we're headed. Um, I don't think it'll be 16 months Though I was tempted to, as I said, there's seven ways that Jesus is better in this passage, which we're going to look at in just a minute. I was tempted to turn that into a seven-week sermon series on the first three verses, but I don't think I'm going to do that. We'll find out. We'll see where the rest of this sermon goes. If I get through just one point, it may end up being a seven-week intro. Um... With that, as kind of a a preface and a background for the book, I want to get into just the first three verses here, looking at the seven points that the author of Hebrews makes for us, proving to us that Jesus is better. And then there's the seven Old Testament references in the second half of the chapter, which we're going to look more at next week. But this week, I want to look at the seven ways that Jesus is better, the seven things that the author shows us, that Jesus is better than. And so, with understanding some of that background here, let's start with the first one Jesus is a better prophet who comes not with a word from God, but as the word. Of God, and some of these references down below we'll look at as we go throughout the sermon, and some of them are just there for you to jot down, and you can look at on your own. But right here in Hebrews, in the beginning, after he kind of sets it up, showing us that our faith is historic, it's rooted, that God has been faithful to speak to us, he's saying that throughout the Old Testament, God has spoken, he's spoken in miracles, he has spoken through the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, Jesus. Jesus is a better prophet. So God in his faithfulness sent prophets. He, sent, he spoke, he communicated in an audible voice to prophets in the Old Testament and he would say, instruct my people. My people need to hear my voice and you will go and be my mouthpiece to my people to instruct them, to help them, to serve them, to help them experience the abundant life that I'm preparing for them. But now in the New Testament context then in our place in biblical redemptive history, Jesus has come as the true and better prophet. We have the prophets here contained in the scriptures, and we can benefit much from the prophets. But what were the Old Testament prophets primarily speaking about? A coming Messiah who is here. Jesus has come. The, the, the majority of Old Testament prophecy is fulfilled. Some is yet unfulfilled, as some of the Old Testament prophecy pointed towards the second coming. But the majority of Old Testament prophecy is now fulfilled in Jesus. They came, the Old Testament prophets came with a word from the Lord. Jesus comes as the word of the Lord, speaking the very words of the Lord, which is also true of the Old Testament prophets, but Jesus did it as God himself. Jesus is a true and better prophet for us. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 through 29, and that's on page 812 in your pew Bible. This is right after the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus gives one of his first sermons, one of his first teachings And here's how the people respond. Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 and 29. And when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as one of their scribes. Jesus is the better prophet. He teaches, and and the crowds, the listeners are saying, he teaches like one whom we've never heard teach before. He has this authority because he is the word of God. He's not just carrying the word of God. He is the word of God. John chapter 1 says that Jesus is the word. He is the logos. He is the word of God. And so Jesus isn't merely speaking words, but he is representing God to us, and he is the very word of God. Now flip to Luke chapter 24, verse 27, on page 885 in the Pew Bible. We might do some holy flipping this morning, and um, I think we need to, because these passages are incredible. Luke chapter 24, verse 27 on 885. So Jesus has now been raised from the dead. He's on the road to Emmaus. He encounters some people, and they have this conversation, and he's He's, he's explaining to them redemptive history and the fulfillment of prophecy. And look at verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, this is Jesus, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, in the scriptures, all the things concerning himself. So Jesus, upon his resurrection, he's walking with people who are trying to figure out, was Jesus really the Messiah? Has Jesus come? They're trying to interpret all the Old Testament prophecies, Jesus sits with them, or maybe he's walking with them, and he says, all of that was about me. All of the Old Testament prophecies, everything that the prophets came and spoke as a word from the Lord was about me. It's fulfilled. I am now the better prophet. I am the word of God in your midst, so receive me. What does this practically mean for us at Park Community Church in 2018? That Jesus is a better prophet. What's the application of that for us? I think we can apply that in many different ways, but I think the primary way is that we need to be in God's word reading the New and the Old Testament, reading the Old Testament in light of the fact that Jesus has come to fulfill the law's commands. Jesus is, is the fulfiller of the Old Testament, he fulfills it. So when we read the Old Testament, we need to keep that in mind and think, is this a command for them that Jesus has now fulfilled? And I can freely worship him. I can come into the presence of God because Jesus has come. So when we read the Old Testament, Jesus has fulfilled it, and we read the New Testament as God's prophetic word for us. Who is this Jesus? As we read the Gospels and we see how Jesus in, engages with people and encourages people and challenges people. We remember that Jesus is the better prophet. So, what Jesus says, what Jesus does, is what we are to follow. As we read the New Testament, knowing that Jesus is the better prophet, it unlocks for us God's word. Jesus is the key to us understanding all of Scripture, for He interpreted to them all the Scriptures and the things concerning Himself. So application for us is to read God's word. We have a word from God. It's right here. And we have the word of God, Jesus, the Christ, speaking to us through this word. Later on in the book of Hebrews, we'll come into it in a couple weeks or months. Um, Hebrews chapter four, it says, the, the word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, divided, dividing bone and marrow, revealing the thoughts and the intents of of man, This is God's voice to us. We must open it and abide with him and allow Jesus, the better prophet, to speak to us through the word. This also means that if somebody comes up to you, which this happens in the church world, and if they say, I have a word from the Lord for you, maybe you just hear them out. And say, thank you, brother or sister. I will consider that and pray about that. But remember, Jesus is the better prophet. His word is the true word from the Lord for you. And so test those words. If anyone shares with you a word from the Lord, test it with God's concrete, sure, finalized, proven word. Jesus is the better prophet. His prophetic word is contained in these scriptures. If anyone tells you something that contradicts God's word, even if they claim that it's a word from the Lord, that's not a word from the Lord because Jesus is the better prophet. He has spoken. He's the final prophet. This doesn't mean that, that modern day prophets can't come and encourage us and point us towards the text. When I say Jesus is the final prophet, it doesn't mean that God doesn't still give a gift of prophecy, words of knowledge where people can, but, but the purpose of that is to bring us back to God's word to encourage us to read God's word, to encourage us with what God's word has revealed and said to us. So as we dig through Hebrews, remember Jesus is the better prophet. Long ago and at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by who? Jesus, his son. God is speaking to us now through his son, Jesus. Let's, let's soak in his word and get to know him. The second way that we see Jesus is better. Jesus is a better son who pleases the father. He receives the inheritance and he shares the inherited blessings with you and I. Jesus is the better son. He's really the only son of God, but scriptures say that we are sons and daughters of God now, right? We are made sons and daughters of God. Actually, in Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, I'm not going to have us flip there. You can jot that down. But it refers to Adam as the son of God. Adam, the first created being, the, the man who God formed from the dust of the ground with his breath. It says that Adam is the son of God. And so we as As um, descendants of Adam and Eve, we are sons and daughters of God created in his image, though that image is now broken and marred. And our sonship and our, our daughter relationship to God has been damaged and broken. And we are no longer, as a result of sin, naturally born into God's family. We are still created in his image, but we are broken off from fellowship with him. And so Jesus is the true and only son He's the better son. He pleases the father. He does what we can't do. In in a, I actually I think it's Luke chapter three here. I think this is. Let's look at it. Luke chapter three, verse twenty-one. I told you that reference wrong. Where Adam is called the son of God, it's somewhere else. This reference here is um, about Jesus being baptized and God speaking the sonship language over him. Luke chapter three, verse 21 and 22. Now when the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Jesus is the better son who pleases God the Father. God looks at Jesus and says, I am fully pleased with my son who perfectly lived the life that I created to be lived. Adam, we talked about this in December, Adam Missed it, right? God created Adam for perfect fellowship, perfect union with him. And Adam gave in to the one prohibition in the many freedoms that God had given him. He ate of the fruit and broke fellowship, broke communion. No longer was naturally pleasing to the Lord. Jesus came as the second Adam fully pleasing to God the Father, fully obeying everything that God asked him to obey. Jesus is the better son. Where Adam failed as the first created son of God, Jesus was eternally existing. So this is hard for us to comprehend that Jesus is eternally existing, yet he comes in the form of as as a man to live and walk among us as the second Adam. The first created Adam from the dust of the ground and the spirit of God disobeyed displeasing to God the Father, we inherit that nature. Jesus, the second Adam, comes, fully pleasing God the Father, giving us a new nature if we would turn from our sin and place our faith in him. Jesus is a better son who fully pleases God the Father. And as a son, he receives the inheritance. Look at how the book of Hebrews continues on. Verse 2. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. Jesus is the son whom he appointed the heir of all things. Because Jesus is the the son, he is appointed the heir of all things. In biblical context, the son would receive all of the blessings from the father, the firstborn son. He would inherit all of the all of the things from the Father. And so Jesus, as the better son, as the true and only son, as the firstborn, the true firstborn son of God, receives all of the inheritance of God the Father. He reigns as king. He receives the throne. He receives everything. And he shares those inherited blessings with you and with me. Look at Romans chapter 8. Verses 14 through 17, that's on page 944. Romans 8, 14 through 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. By whom we cry, Abba, Father, Father, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Jesus is the better son who inherits all that God has, and he calls us into that. He calls us co-heirs. Jesus is the only rightful heir to the inheritance of God, but he shares it with us. He is a better inheritance for us. I mean, all of us are inheriting something, right? Either you inherited something from your parents through genetics or through makeup or nature and nurture. We inherited things from people. And then sometimes as people get older and pass away, we inherit things from them. And this is how life works. You inherit things from people who precede you. And here in Hebrews, we're seeing that we have a better inheritance than anything on this earth, than anyone on this earth could ever leave us. Whether you come from a great family line with great genetics, and so you are um, tall, dark, and handsome, that's a phrase that people use, right? Or, Or not, you wish you were that, you inherited some genes that don't make you that way. It doesn't matter because the human physical nature and inheritance passes away. But in Jesus, we have a better inheritance. He is the better son who has for us a better inheritance. Whether you're, you're, you're struggling financially and you're looking out and you're saying, I have nobody in my family line to inherit a free gift from to bless me financially. doesn't matter. That free gift is here today and gone tomorrow anyway. Jesus is the better son who has a better inheritance for you and I and he extends it to us. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 3 through 14, I'm going to read the whole thing. That's on page 976 in the Pew Bible. Think about Jesus as the better son who grants to us the inheritance. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What more could you want? There's there's nothing more that this world has for us. Jesus has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's a promise for you and I. It doesn't matter what, what you see on the horizon in your life. Whether it looks like a great inheritance is coming or only awful days ahead. Because with Christ, Jesus the better son, God the Father looks at him and by extension looks to you and he says, With you I am well pleased. You are my sons. You are my daughters. And so I'm giving you everything. We have inherited everything that God has. We are inheritors of that and primarily, and, and so that means someday it will be material stuff. In heaven, it will be physical stuff. We will walk on streets of gold. We will, we will hear beautiful, we will see and hear beautiful scenes of creation. But even more importantly than that, here and now, we have received every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So no matter how hard, so no matter how hard your life may feel at the moment, no matter what challenges you may be going through, if we believe the truth and fix our eyes on the truth that Jesus is the better son who with, the Father, whom the, with whom the Father is well pleased, he has given Jesus the inheritance, Jesus has shared that inheritance with us, it doesn't matter what we're going through because this is true. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is ours. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption. Jesus is the better son, and now we are adopted in as acceptable sons and daughters through Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance. There it is again. We've obtained an inheritance through him, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that, we might, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. To him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of your inheritance, until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Jesus is a better son who receives everything from God the Father and extends all of that to you and I. We got through two. I'm going to stop there. Um, so we'll come back at it next week. But this morning, what I want us to walk away from, let's get back into Hebrews here. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, our faith is rooted, it's historic. God is a speaking God. He has spoken in many ways over the years and he continues to speak here and now today through his son, Jesus In Jesus, we have a better prophet. Jesus is God's word. We hold Jesus' words in our hand. Let's spend time in it. Let's allow God to speak to us. And Jesus is the better son who, who comes to please God the Father. Much of our world is living their life feeling like they don't measure up. You ever felt that way? Ever felt like you don't measure up? Ever felt like when you sin, God is disappointed and casts you out of his presence? He's disappointed in sin, but if we are in Christ, he's not disappointed in us. He says, you are my son, you are my daughter. I look at you and see the righteousness of Christ imputed to you. I am pleased with Jesus, therefore I am pleased with you. God has a favorable disposition towards you and towards me. Amen? That's incredible. God has a favorable disposition towards you and towards me. Christians, don't forget that. The world needs to know that. We go through life feeling like we don't measure up, trying to prove ourselves, trying to earn things from people. And the gospel says that God is favorable towards you through Jesus. God looks at us and he says, I am well pleased, my son and my daughter. And because I am well pleased, have it all. All of my blessings, all of my promises, all of what I own is yours. Enjoy as we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's pray.